0: If you have your Bible, Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 6, and then also Acts chapter number 8, two texts, which seem to be disjointed, but you'll see how they actually work very, very well together. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6 says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Aren't you glad about that? That God is the same. You can rely on Him. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, In what way shall we return? Do not rob God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour for you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Can you say amen? Amen. Acts chapter number 8, beginning in verse number 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon, who by the way was a sorcerer or a magician... When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. Today in our vision series, I want to minister to you on a title that doesn't sound like most churches, but it's the truth of the Word of God. And the title is, The Miracle is Not in the Money. The Miracle is Not in the Money. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you make your word real, relevant, and alive and active in each and every person's heart? Would you speak by the power of your Holy Spirit and transform people into the image of your dear son, Jesus? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said... You may be seated. Maybe as you have read through the scriptures, you've noticed that there is a spiritual truth that appears over and over again. Uh, God has a way of repeating spiritual truths. And I think the reason why God says them so often is because he knows that we're a little hard headed. And so God has to keep telling us the same thing over and over and over again. And one of those truths that just repeats itself is the truth about the link that exists between our giving and our receiving. And uh, it's all over the pages of scripture that are very literally, there are hundreds, dare I say, maybe even thousands of scriptures that talk about this undeniable link. And just so you know, we're starting off on a a good biblical foundation, I want to just remind you of a few of those texts that talk about this this link. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Of course says, give, and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give onto your bosom, for with the same measure that you use it shall be measured again unto you. And so there's the connection between our giving and our receiving. Second Corinthians 9, 6 is another scripture. This I say: He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Notice the connection between our giving and our receiving. Proverbs chapter eleven, verse 24 says. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. The link between our giving and our receiving proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 honor the lord with the first fruits of all your increase so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats bursting out with new wine notice again the link between our giving and our receiving of course the famous story of the widow woman who had hardly anything and elijah elijah comes to her and says do not fear Do what you have said, but first make me some a little bit of cake, then bring it to me, and afterwards make it for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, your God, the bit of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. The connection between our giving and our receiving. Of course, our opening text or a portion of it uh malachi chapter 3 verse number 10 bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith says the lord of hosts if i'll not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there won't be room enough to you receive in other words the link between our giving and our receiving and i could literally spend the whole service talking to you and showing you scriptures about this undeniable link between our giving and our receiving. And though there is this undeniable link, there seems to be a little bit of a distortion or misunderstanding that has arisen from this undeniable link that has caused some to purport, imply, and even teach that you can buy a miracle from God with money. And here's the problem with that teaching is that even though there is a truth between our giving and our receiving, this link that exists, the Bible specifically tells us in our other text that we cannot buy the gift of God with money. And you remember the story. We read it in the opening text. Here we find this this sorcerer named Simon who is watching as the apostles are laying their hands on people who have already been born again and had the Holy Spirit resident on the inside of them. Because you know when you give your life to Jesus, you get as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get. You're saved at that moment. Your nature is changed. But there is a subsequent act of grace that the Bible talks about five times in the book of Acts. And that subsequent act of grace is when you are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit where I like to say the Holy Spirit gets all of you in the beginning, you got as much of the Holy Spirit. The subsequent acts of grace, he gets all of you. That's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And 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 this guy, Simon, is watching as the apostles are laying their hands on people. And he's able to see that through the laying on of hands, these people are endued with the supernatural power. There's a visual testament to what is happening there. We know from the scripture that as the evidence is speaking in other tongues. And so sure enough, he sees this and... And he, as a magician, as a sorcerer, he wants this same power. And so he goes up to Peter. And the way I I see this, like he pulls out his wallet. He goes, yo, here's a little something, something. Can I get that gift? Oh, that's not enough? Here's a little something, something more. Can I get that gift? And he's trying to buy... The gift, the free gift of God, the free gift of God's grace with some money. And what does Peter do? Peter rebukes him and Peter tells him, your money perish with you. You thought the gift of God could be bought with a miracle. See, what we need to understand is that God's gifts are not for sale. When it comes to our relationship with God, it is not a business exchange. A lot of people have made this thing called giving a business exchange. And they and they have bought into this fact that we can manipulate God with our money. How many of you know you cannot manipulate God with money? God is not like people who try to manipulate other people with money. Or like the devil who tries to manipulate us with money. God's gift cannot be bought with money. When I was a young pastor, there was a person that was coming to the church. They made a large donation to the church. Or the promise to make another large donation to the church. In between giving us the the large donation and the promise of the new donation. They started suddenly sending me suggestions about how we ought to change things at the church. And then it went from subtle to flat out. With with some anger behind it and aggression and like an authority. Do this and do that. So you know what I did? I sent them their check back. You know why? cause the gift of god is not for sale. You you can't buy god, you can't manipulate god with money. You cannot manipulate the things of god with money. That's impossible. We shouldn't do that. This is not a business exchange. And so what I want to do is how do we reconcile this this great and obvious spiritual truth that quite frankly, if you deny its existence, you are not being authentic with the scripture. This link between are giving and are receiving and this truth that the miracle of God is not for sale, that it's not in the money. The miracle is not in the money. And what I want to do to, in order to reconcile these things is I want to go into a deep dive into this thing that you've heard your entire life probably in the church called the tithe. And for the benefit of those of you who don't know what the tithe is or pretend like you don't know what the tithe is, because we got people like that. The tithe is the first 10% of all of our increase that we give to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through his local church. That's what the tithe is. and It's of all of our increase, right? It's not just on our salary although that's where most people you know, are blessed by God through, right? By the way, did you know that your salary is one of the ways that God blesses you? The job you have God gave you. The power to do the job you have God gave you. If God didn't give you the ability to to think and the ability to work and the ability to create and the, you wouldn't be able to do your job so your paycheck is God rewarding you for using the gifts that God has given you all of it comes from God and so we know that that's part of the way that God blesses us with increase but he also does it with gifts and inheritances and even sometimes lottery winnings and yes God expects a tithe on the lottery winnings you know I play that thing when it gets up to about 400 million, you know, 450. And then I get mad when I don't win. I get mad because I'm like, me and God are having a conversation the whole time. I'm like, God, you know we could do some serious damage with 450 million. Drop 450 million on me and watch what I do for you with 450 million. And then somebody that don't know Jesus gets the 450 million. And I'm like, what kind of justice is that, right? So the tithe is the first 10% Of all of our increase that God... Where does it go? It goes to the local church. And that's how we worship Jesus, our high priest. And our text substantiates this, that the tithe is God's. That it belongs to him. That it's set apart to him. Because what does it say? It says, will a man rob God? Why does it use that language? Because when you keep something that doesn't belong to you, that is called robbery. And so God uses that language, by the way, not to hurt us and don't ever Feel when you come to church and you hear a teach, don't ever feel condemned, right? We don't teach on these things to make anybody feel bad. We we teach on these things to free people so they can walk in all of the fullness that God wants them to have. Condemnation is not of God. Conviction is when God speaks to your heart. That's conviction. But condemnation is when you know you feel like God doesn't love you because of this and so on and so. On. That's not the point of these things. And you'll notice in the text, God uses this way. God brings out something. He he rebukes, but then he reminds. He rebukes, he says, he says, y'all should be doing this. But then he reminds you of his blessing. So what God is trying to do is God is trying to get us all in alignment with the good things that he has for us. And so what he does here in this first text is he reminds us of the five miracles that are linked to the tithe. There are five, and I love the fact that there are five because all sorts of people who either don't want to tithe or want an excuse for a biblical reason for not tithing will say, well, ah, that's under the Old Testament. That's the law, but God gives us five miracles that are attached to the tithe, and here's the reason why he gives us five, because five is the number of grace. And you're going to see today that tithing is one of those things that predated the law, that made it through the law all the way into the new covenant because it is a way, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but you may need to hear this more than once. It is a way that we honor God, and God wants us to continue to do that. So there are five miracles that are attached to the tithe. Let me share them with you, and then we'll kind of wrap it up and put it together with the second portion of our opening text. The first miracle is the miracle of God's proof. Notice what he says. He says, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, prove me. Some versions say, test me in this. Did you know that tithing is a test? It's a test for us, and it's a test for God because 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. I have some questions for you, okay? Ready? Give me the answer. Shout it out. How many plagues did God send on Pharaoh? Say it like you mean it. By the way, all the... Answers to the questions I'm going to ask you are 10, okay? So everybody can can participate. Are you ready for this? Ready? So, how many plagues did God send on Pharaoh? How many commandments? How many times did God test Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25 for preparedness into the kingdom? How many days of testing in Revelation 2? How many spies came back with an evil report? How many disciples? Just testing. (laughs) I get you every year with that. (laughs) Ten is the number of testing. What tithing does is it tests the position that God holds in our life. Is God number one or is he somewhere else on the list? Two, ten, hundred, whatever he is. But tithing is also a test for God. A better way of saying that would be an opportunity for God to prove himself to us. How many has ever had faith... You believe that Jesus was Lord? You believe he was the only way to heaven. You believe he died for your sins, that through him we have eternal life. But I've had experiences in life where your faith was shaken a little bit. Has that ever happened to anybody? Where It's not like you ever doubted that Jesus was Lord, but you're like, Lord, everything that I'm experiencing right now has caused me to ask some really dear, really hard questions. And God, during this time, I need you to show me you care. And during this time, I need you to prove that you care and prove that you see and prove that you still have a plan and prove that you haven't forgotten about me and prove that I still matter to you and prove that something good is going to come out of this and prove that even though I don't understand I can trust your heart and prove that that this suffering that I'm going through is going to produce something that is of eternal value in me God I need you to show yourself strong God I need you to wink my way God I need you to let me know somehow some way I'm still on your radar because right now I feel where are you when I need you has anybody ever felt like that? Sort of like maybe the man, the father, in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, there's a man whose son keeps throwing himself into the fire because he's, he's, he's possessed. And he brought his son to his disciples, to the disciples of Jesus, and they couldn't do anything. And so he finally comes to Jesus. Jesus says, bring him to me. And here's what the man says. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, 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 don't, I don't doubt who you are but I've experienced this situation for so long without change that my faith has got dinged up a little bit in the process. Let me make it real. I have watched my child suffer for so long. Nobody's done anything about it. Nobody's been able to help them. And although I believe Jesus, you are Lord, my faith is really hurting right now. And I need you to wink my way. I need you to stand up. I need you to do something. I need you to encourage me. God, I need you to prove Yourself. I believe, but help my own belief. And I want you to notice Jesus doesn't get upset with them. Jesus doesn't go, Oh, you sorry, I can't help you out. Right? Here's the reason why Did you know God loves to prove himself to us? God doesn't take a... It's not like God has to. It's just that God loves to. God likes to make himself real. God loves it when we are in a desperate situation and we've tried everything else and God is our last resort and the only one that we can turn to because it's at times like that that God makes himself real to us. When you're going through something and you look back and you say, look what God has done. You know that you know that you know that God is real. And this blessing of God proving himself to us is Linked to our tithe. The miracle of God proving himself. Second miracle is the miracle of open windows. I want you to notice again the text. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I'm not open unto you the windows of heaven. I love windows. Do you all like windows? Imagine living in a house without windows. No light would come in. How many of you know windows let in light and therefore give insight? Ever been confused about anything? Ever, ever sought people out and I, I need some help with this and I don't know the decision that I should make in this situation and and I've and I, and I prayed about it but it's not becoming any clearer and so on and so forth. Here's what God says. He says, I'll open the windows. I'll open up insight to you that you wouldn't be able to get any other way. I'll shed some light on the situation. When, when you when you tithe, when you honor me in that way, the word becomes a lamp onto your feet and a light onto your path. There is an ability to act ascertain and discern the word of god that is uncommon and is not not something that comes easily that is illuminated to you in such a way the blessing of the open windows but then also windows how many of you know windows let in the right stuff and keep out the wrong stuff they let in light anybody say i gotta get some fresh air what do you do you open the windows you hear the birds chirping all the signs, all the other all other all all the, all the, uh sounds of nature. You you get that crisp scent. It's beautiful. You get that breeze coming in. Windows let in the right stuff, but I mean they also keep out the wrong stuff. You put your screen. You open your window, but you keep your screen up. And what happens? No bees can come in. No bugs can come in. No mosquitoes mosquitoes can come in. No gnats can come in. Nothing just come in your house that you don't want to come in your house. And here's what God is letting us know: there's a miracle attached to our tithing. It's called the miracle of God's open windows. And what that means is God keeps out some of the stuff that shouldn't be in, and He lets in some of the stuff so that you can enjoy. And so what happens with most people is they're not experiencing all of the goodness and they're not keeping out the stuff that's supposed to be out not because they don't believe Jesus is Lord but they got a window problem but then the third thing that happens with the miracle of windows is that windows are a sign of abundance did you know that the more windows usually in a structure the more valuable the structure is and so the Empire State Building is valued at $1.8 billion, has 6,500 windows. The World Trade Center is valued at $3.8 billion and has 45,300 windows. God says this, he says, he says, when you bring me the tithe, open up the windows of heaven. Can I ask you how you would put a value on a place that has streets of gold? Think about this. Imagine if everything you walked on in this church was made of pure gold and it was It was a foundation. Like that thick. How much value, how valuable do you think that place would be? Imagine if this place, when you walk through the front doors, the doors were made of big pearls. Anybody open a big pearl door? That's the gates of heaven. Imagine if the foundation that this church sat on was made of precious stones. Imagine how valuable heaven is. And God says this, there is a miracle that I will release into your life of my abundance, but it's linked to the tithe. The miracle of God's open windows. The third miracle that is linked to the tithe is the miracle of God's blessing. Notice what he says. He says, and I will pour you out, a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. I love this about God because people think that God is only a enough God. God will only give you enough. But this verse says that God is a more than enough God. Doesn't it say that? I said, doesn't it say that? Are you here this morning? Are you paying attention this morning? Don't make me come down there because if I come down there, I will slap somebody. Not just playing. <laughs> the miracle of God's Blessing, but see when we think about blessing, we we decaffeinated blessing, we 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 pigeonholed it to mean only the good things that we receive. And so we think it's the blessing of, of health. We think it's the blessing of finances. We think it's the blessing of a family, the blessing of a new car, the blessing of a promotion at work. And those are all blessings, but that is not what the word blessing really means. The word blessing in Bible times was understood to mean when somebody in authority made a declaration over somebody's life that was under their authority where they declared the things that they wanted to see come to pass in that person's life. And so in Bible times, whenever a blessing was about ready to be given, you had a fight over the blessing. And so you find Jacob and Esau fighting over their father's blessing because they knew that if their father pronounced a blessing on them, what it meant was it was a declaration of their father's intention for their life. And they believed that that blessing would create a predestined track for them to run on that could not be revoked. And so they fought for it, and they wrestled for it. And the first one to get their blessing from their father was going to have the life that their father wanted them to have. We see the power of blessing in a famous prayer. It was made famous about 30 years ago. The prayer of Jabez. Y'all remember the prayer? Jabez means pain. In Bible times, parents would also name their children after what was happening in the culture. And um, that was just the cultural way at the time. And and, and they named their, their kid pain. Sometimes you have problems when you go along with the culture. Hello, is this thing on? Sometimes you have problems when you go along with the culture. Culture is not truth. Don't think just because everybody believes it, it's right. Sometimes... Christ and the church needs to speak to culture to set culture straight and on a path that will lead them to truth. And so what happens is they go along with the culture. They need their, they name their kid pain. And in naming their kid pain, they have declared over that child's life what the rest of that child's life will look like. They've put him into a destiny box that is different than the destiny that he was created for. And this is what happens so often in life that because of the words that are spoken over us, our destiny becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We live Listen to people who put this label on us and that label on us and this box on us and this assignment on us and that assignment because people have declared certain things over our life. God told me to remind somebody, watch what comes out of your mouth. It will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so Jabez has gotten to a place where he's grown and he knows that they have been Declaring over his life power, blessing, pain, 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 pain. His parents, the highest authority in his life. By the way, parents, you are the highest authority in your children's life, other than God. (laughs) Shoot. That's why your words matter so much. That's why you need to make sure you speak the right things. Over your children. We named our daughter Nicole Ashley. Which means victorious warrior. We didn't know how much she would need that name. Until she went through a bad relationship. She stood up in that thing and became the victorious warrior that she was destined to be. We need to speak positively over our kids we need to call over our kids what their destiny is and jabez J- he had his parents calling the wrong stuff over him but finally he gets to a place where he says you know what i don't want this i'm sick and tired of this path from my life how many of you know it's good when you get sick and tired of certain things because sometimes sick and tired is the only thing that'll cause change And he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to appeal to a higher authority. Thank God he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank God he is the highest authority in heaven and on the earth. And Jabez got to the point where he said, God, I'm sick and tired of people declaring a destiny for me that is less than how you created me. And here's what he prayed. He said, Oh, that you... The highest authority, you God would bless me and bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that I might not cause pain. Here's what he was saying. God. Would you speak something over my life that will reverse what everybody else has spoken over my life? God, will you declare a thing and watch it come to pass? God, I know if you say it, it'll cancel the assignment that my parents put over me. God, I know if you say it, it'll cancel the assignment that the enemy has put over me. God, I know if you say it, it doesn't matter what anybody, what any label has come on me. God, bless me. Put your intentions over my life. Here's what I want you to know. Your blessing is linked. Your blessing is linked to your tithe. Bring me the tithe, and I will pour out a blessing over you that there won't be room enough to receive. Can I I push this point just a little bit quicker? Anybody, Rocky fans? Rocky fans? Love Rocky? Love Rocky. Favorite movie anthology? Have the whole thing in my office all signed One of the big highlights of my life and disappointments of my life was I was supposed to interview Sylvester Stallone on TBN once. The whole thing was set up and then Sly canceled on me. I was like, man. So one day, maybe God on my bucket list will make that come to pass. Anyway, second Rocky. He fought Apollo in the first fight, right? Apollo won by like a smidge. They both beat each other up. So they have a rematch. And Rocky is running late to the rematch, right? And his life has changed a little bit since the first fight. The first fight, he was just fighting, you know, for himself. But now he's got a wife and now he's got kids. And uh, he knows that he's fighting a formidable opponent. The opponent's name is Apollo. And so on his way to the fight, even though he was running late, he stops at the church to talk to Father Calmine. You remember that? Watch this. Check it out. Check it out. Father Carmine! Father Carmine! Hey, Father Carmine, you home? Father Carmine! Hey, yo, Father Carmine! Ma chi è? Uh, That's me, Rocky Balboa. Rocky? Yeah. Ma che cosa fai là? Non deve fare la lotta questa fenda. Oh, yeah, I'm going to the fight right now, but I was wondering if you could do me a small favor, you know? Ma sicuro, che favore, che... Well, it's about to fight, you know. Now I got the family and the baby and all that stuff. And I was wondering, you know, if you could throw down a blessing so that if I get beat up tonight, you know, it won't be too bad, you know. Could you do something like that? Thanks a lot, Father. Listen, I appreciate it. I gotta go. I'm so late. I'll see you in church, I'll Take care. <laughs> That is such an amazing clip. Do you know why? Because he's going into a fight against an opponent that he knows has the goods to beat him up and knock him down. Maybe change his life for the worse. But even though he's running late, he stops by to make sure that he gets his blessing from the priest who throws it down from the window. Are you getting it just yet? Some of you, some of you are fighting right now. And you're you're going into the fight and you're going into the fight without your blessing. And God is telling you to stop by and get you your blessing so that when you're going to the fight, there's no way that you can lose that fight. Come and get your blessing. Your blessing is tied, it's linked to the tithe. Fourth, fourth miracle of the tithe that's linked to the tithe, the miracle of God's rebuke. Verse number 11, he says this, he says, and, I'm like, when I read this for the first time years ago, I was like, and? Seriously, like, it's like, where I picture this is like, you're sitting down at a big meal, Right? At my house, what Thanksgiving looks like is like it's antipast first, right? And so we have all the stuffed breads and all the cheeses and all the the, the salamis. And, and, you know, then we have a, after we eat all that, it's like enough for a meal. Then we come out with the pasta course, right? And all the meat that goes with the pasta and everything like this is before the turkey. (laughs) Right? Eating the bread and everything like that. And then usually the, the ladies will say, okay, and here's the turkey. We're like, and, and, come on, we, we, we had enough already. And how, how are we going to fit that? I want you to know the kind of God that you serve. You serve an end God. You don't serve a God that says enough is enough, but you serve a God who is more than enough. <laughs> and, listen, fourth blessing, and I rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know what the word rebuke means? It means to beat back. It means to pummel into submission. It means to reverse course. It means to return not to the former order, but to an order that was better than it ever was before. Now watch this, because Jesus shows us this. Remember when he got into the boat with his disciples, he was really, really tired. They were going to the other side. They didn't know, but the, Jesus knew they were going to the other side to free a man who is uh, in the tombs, and he was demon-possessed, and he was cutting himself and breaking chains, and nobody could control him. And so Jesus says, let's go in the boat. Let's cross over to the other side. It looks like a beautiful day for sailing, and then up out of nowhere, blam! comes a storm. That could be our life, Right? This is going to be a beautiful day today. The sun is shining. Everybody's where they need to be. Life is good. Blam! Out of nowhere comes a storm. Where'd that come from? Why'd that storm show up in my life? How come just out of nowhere, without warning, without... Here's the reason. It's not always because something's going on in your life. Sometimes it's because of what you possess on the inside of you that you are going to touch somebody else with. And so the devil will send a storm into your life to stop you from fulfilling your destiny. So in the middle of nowhere, blam, here comes the storm. The disciples get scared about it. Jesus is sleeping. They wake him up. And the Bible says he gets up and he rebukes the storm, the waves and the wind. And then the Bible says there is a great calm. The calm wasn't back to the way it was before. It was better than it was before. What is this fourth miracle? How many of you have ever went into a situation where you said, God, I'd like you to reverse this. God, I'd like you to beat this thing back. God, I'd like you to cause this situation to, to, to submit. God, I'd like you to return this not to the former order. But God, I've been through so much. I don't just want it back the way it was. I want it back better than it was before. The scripture says if a thief is caught, he doesn't got to repay one time. He's got to put it back seven times. Because God is not just a restorer. God will put it back Better than it ever was before. Are you here this morning? Are you listening this morning? There's a miracle of God's rebuke that is attached to the tithe. The fifth miracle that is attached to the tithe is the miracle of God's protection. Notice what he says next he says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that you will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. This is a miracle of God's protection over anything that concerns you. God made this so real to me. So many times, but the first real time was when my wife was pregnant with my son. And uh, you've heard me share this, some of you, before. I was tormented by the voice of the enemy. I heard... Sometimes without exaggeration, a hundred times in a day, he's gonna be born with a problem. He's gonna be born with a problem. He's gonna be born with a problem. What do you do when the devil's voice speaks to you about a problem? A problem that hasn't even happened yet. A problem that causes you to get anxious and nervous and worried. And so, what do you do? How many of you know in our series, Stay Woke, what you do? You talk back. Talk back is some of the greatest thing that you could do. When the devil talks to you about a problem, you you need to talk to him about a promise. And so you know what I did? I said, I'm not going to let you have the last word on this devil. I'm going to talk back. And you know what promise I talked back to the devil? I got this promise right here. And every time he said he's going to be born with a problem, I said, oh, because I got a promise that says my fruit is blessed. My fruit is protected. My fruit is safe. And I would speak it every single time. And then one day, I had it up to here with the devil. Sometimes you got to have it up to here with the devil. And I went into my file cabinet and I pulled out all my tithing statements. And I stacked them up. That was a thick pile. Big pile. Not because of the amount of money. Because how many of you know a tithe of $1,000 is not any more powerful than a tithe of $10. Because we all make different amounts of money. And so I took my tithe, stack out, and it was thick because it was not once missed. And I put it on my desk, and I pointed at it. And I said, devil, there is no way that my son will be born with a problem because I got a promise from God that my fruit will be protected. I say pastor can you do that go over to the book of Deuteronomy with me I'm going to bring this to a close by the way I'm not preaching extra they took extra up front okay so service ain't going long because of me but we're going to finish the message anyway Deuteronomy chapter 26 every third year you must offer a special tithe of your crops in this year of the special tithe You must give your tithes to the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows so that you will have enough to eat in your towns. Now, let me just explain what this this third year of the special tithe is. They gave their regular tithe on a consistent basis, but every third year they were asked to bring an additional 10% to the temple so that that, that, that the people of God could take care of the people who couldn't take care of themselves. Do you know, can I tell you what one of my dreams is? We're not there yet. But one of my dreams is to have an annuity in the church's name to help people, especially elderly, who can't afford to take care of themselves. Isn't that a good dream? I believe before I retire, we're going to do it. I believe we're going to do it. And, and so what they would do is they would bring... This special tithe, and they would take care of the widows and the orphans and all the people who couldn't take care of themselves. It was a special tithe. It didn't didn't disqualify the other tithe, but it was just something extra that they had. And then he said this, Then, after you brought this special tithe, you must declare in the presence of the Lord your God. Notice, you must declare. You must speak over. You must declare in the presence of the Lord your God, I have taken the sacred gift. How many of you know what the word sacred means? It means set apart. In other words, I have taken... The thing that belongs to you, God, it's set apart. I have taken the separate, the sacred gift from my house, and I have given it to the Levites, the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows, just as you commanded me. I have not violated or forgotten any of your commandments. I have not eaten any of it while in I'm mourning. I have not handled it while I was ceremonially unclean. I have not offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God and have done everything you commanded me. Let me translate that for you. I haven't come up with a lame excuse for. Not not to tithe woo I'm preaching good right now I know I'm not making friends right now on pastor appreciation day but <laughs> preaching the word of God verse number 15 he says now this is after all, now look down from your holy dwelling place in heaven and bless your people Israel and the land you swore to our ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey do you know what they did They said, God, look at that tithe right there. That's my promise. That's my promise that will supersede any problem in life. That's my promise. I want you to know there's a promise that is attached to the tithe, that is linked to the tithe. It is a promise of protection over anything that touches your life. It doesn't mean that sometimes weapons won't be formed against it, but it means when the devil talks about the problem that you can point to the promise and stand on the promise, the promises that never fail. standing. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Standing on the promises when life assails. Standing on the promises of God. You can point to it. Five miracles linked to the tithe. Now, you say, Pastor, I I thought you said the miracle was not in the money. You just gave me five reasons why the miracle is in the money. That's a lot like the the miracle's in the money. See, you're back to a business transaction. You're you're back to I I I put my 10 cents in and I get a dollar out. You're back to I, I try to buy the gift of God with some money. See, you you missed the meaning behind the tithe. How many of you know that our money Talks. How many of you know money? always has a voice and there are three things that our money says. They declare them before God and they declare them before people and they declare that in our heart. The first thing our money declares is God you are our top priority God you are first in everything in our life. Second thing it says is God you are not just our top priority. God you are our provider. All things come from your hand. Third thing it declares is God you are my high priest your money has a message and the miracle is not in the money the miracle is in the money meaning behind the money which is why you cannot just plop and drop that's why you can't just go oh, did my duty now I'm going to get me a miracle if it doesn't mean anything it has no power now watch this last scripture and then we're going to kind of wrap this all up Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 1. Melchizedek was a king of the city of Salem and also a priest of the Most High God. And when Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had that captured in battle and he gave it to Melchizedek. This Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Solomon means king of peace. There is no record of his father or his mother or his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever resembling the son of God. Consider how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Who is Melchizedek? Many scholars believe that this was the pre-incarnate Christ. Many scholars believe that this was Jesus showing up in the old covenant before he became a man and showed up in the new covenant because there was no genealogical record of this man. They couldn't find it. They didn't know where he came from. They didn't know where he ended. And so many people believe that it was Jesus showing up. And I want you to know who Jesus showed up to. He showed up to Abraham. And by the way, that shouldn't confuse you because when God cut the covenant with Abraham, do you remember what he did? He caused Abraham to go asleep and the greater light and the lesser light walked through the pieces. That was God the Father and God the Son. That was Jesus showing up to Abraham. Jesus showed up to Abraham a lot. Do you know why? Because the Abrahamic covenant is a foreshadow. Am I going too fast? Is a foreshadow of the covenant that you and I have with Christ. The promise of the Abrahamic covenant was the Messiah. The Messiah that was promised to Abraham is fulfilled in us. Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ in the Old Testament, is now the living Christ in the New Testament and the same way that Abraham took a tithe and gave it to his high priest Melchizedek is the same way that you and I need to take a tithe and give it to our high priest Jesus watch this verse number 6 says but Melchizedek was not a descendant of Levi who was not a descendant of Levi collected a tenth from Abraham and Melchizedek placed a what did he place on him? When did he place that blessing on him? If they received that tithe, he placed the blessing on him. Blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. You see, oh my God, I wish I had more time. He had already received the promises of God. For us, what's that mean? We've already been saved. Our sins have already been forgiven. Tithing doesn't get you into heaven. It's not a business exchange. It's evidence of a heart exchange. The one who had already received the promise gave him a tithe. Why? Not out of have to. Not, can I just tell you something? You, you go to heaven if you never tithe. Just don't stand in line next to me when rewards are being handed out because you're going to feel bad about the amount of rewards that you're getting. We received the promise. We, we, we've tasted of the goodness of God. Our soul has been freed. We're on our way to heaven. We're not going to hell anymore. And out of a great abundance of our heart, not the money, but the meaning behind the money, we are giving God our best to say how much we appreciate Him as our high priest. And without question, the person who has the power to give the blessing is greater than the one who is blessed verse 16 verse 16 Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed and the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek the money means God, you're our top priority. God, you're our number one provider. You're the source. And Jesus, you're our high priest. Listen to me, listen to me. This is not a business exchange. Don't ever make it something that it's not. It's not a requirement of salvation. Don't ever make it something that it's not. What it is, is evidence of a heart exchange. This is why Jesus said that where your treasure is, so will your heart be also. How many of you know you can give without loving There are people who invite me to stuff all the time. And some of the time I go, oh, I guess that means i got to bring a gift. Didn't necessarily want to bring a gift. Want to plan to bring a gift. But it's just the right thing to do. You go to a party. I don't know why I felt like the Lord wanted me to say, you go to a party, you bring a gift. You go to visit a man, you bring a gift. You go to visit the king of kings and you come empty handed. Don't, don't, don't let me stay there anymore. I can almost feel an unusual anointing coming on right now. And I'll say things that I'll regret later. It's not a, it's not a business exchange. It's a heart exchange. For God so loved the world that he gave. You can, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's impossible to do. And so God is inviting us not into this, this thing where we think we can buy a miracle, although there is an undeniable link between our giving and our receiving. God is inviting us into this heart exchange because the scripture says a broken and a contrite heart he will in no, no way despise. And when we give God not our partial heart but our complete heart, God opens up everything that he has and he begins to pour out miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. The miracle is really not in the It's in the meaning behind the money. And God is challenging us, not just as a community of faith, but as individuals to go all in in this thing that we call Christianity. In week one, we talked about our desire for the house of God. In week two, we talked about everybody carrying their weight and being a servant in the house of God. Now we're talking about everybody participating in financing the gospel. Why? Because if everybody ever gets involved, watch out. Watch out.